This is the Cardinals Insiders Podcast presented by AZ Central Sports. Download the AZC Sports app on iTunes or Google Play to get the latest episodes as well as in-depth coverage from our entire team all season long. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ryan Wynn here to take you through another Cardinals Insiders podcast, and we're moving in a new direction here. Josh Rosen, the 10th overall pick in this year's draft, will start at quarterback as the Cardinals are coming off yet another lame offensive performance led by Sam Bradford. A 16-14 loss to Chicago last Sunday, a game in which the Cardinals actually led 14-0 to start the game. The offense actually looked competent for a little bit before reverting back to their old ways, so... Now the Cardinals are 0-3, and they're about to start a new era, a new week as they prepare for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go out on a limb here, though, and say at this point, the week-to-week, in-the-trenches breakdowns are not exactly what you're looking for. You want to learn about Josh Rosen, how he might change things. Does this jumpstart a dormant team? Will David Johnson come back to life? And really, what are our realistic expectations for this rookie QB? So let's go ahead and get right into it. One of our esteemed AZ Central columnists that's about to join us is a fan of the move. Another wants to pump the brakes a little bit. So let's kick things off with old friend Kent Summers. All right, columnist Kent Summers with us now. Kent, we'll start with the obvious starting point. Josh Rosen's going to make his first start in week four. And I think you've made it pretty clear with your columns on easycentral.com. But just for podcast sake, is it safe to say you're all in with this move? I am. If anything, it's a week late. I thought it should have been done after the Rams um, lost 34 nothing in week two. I could see why Steve Wilkes went back or stuck with Bradford. But, you know, there's so many offensive problems and, and, and they're not all Sam Bradford's. But I think you have to start at quarterback and, and, and hope you get some better play by going to the rookie. Yeah, I also talked with uh, one of our other columnists, Greg Moore, about this move, and he was a little leery about it because his big thing was you're throwing him out there when he doesn't really have any weapons and he doesn't have any uh, protection. So the question is, do you think that he can actually, that Rosen, that is, can fare better than Bradford, or is this going to end up possibly in flames? No, I think he's, he can fare better than Bradford. I, I think the Cardinals do have weapons. They're just not using them. Um, they, they, you know, David Johnson should get the ball more than 12 times like he did, uh, last week against the bears and, and Larry Fitzgerald should get more than two targets like he did last week against the bears. I think the protection has been okay. It hasn't been great, but it's been okay. They, the Cardinals actually did a decent job last week on Khalil Mack. I know he had a sack and he caused a fumble, but the fumble came when Bradford was trying to make something happen. And, and actually, I think you know Rosen could uh, give the Cardinals more. He he's more uh, more of a creative guy. Bradford certainly isn't going to make many plays once something breaks down, and I I think Rosen gives him that ability. Now I'm going to ask you to accomplish a pretty tough task here, but how would you evaluate Rosen's performance in obviously a very limited role against Chicago? I thought it was okay. I, I thought overall it was encouraging. Um, you know, the, the the throw that bothered me most was the pick six that was nullified. Mm-hmm. By pe- by penalty, I think that was the one really poor throw he made. That the game ending on an interception, I, he had to throw that. He's taking a chance. Um, they're trying to make something happen. I I get that, but I I thought he did. I thought he did fine. He's a he's a really bright guy. Um, his teammates have said that. You know, they'll they'll be growing pains for sure. But it 
you know, at least it's just not pain without the growing part. I think that's what we were seeing with Sam Bradford at, at quarterback. Yeah, and obviously people had a lot of questions um, about Josh Rosen's, I guess, just mental aptitude and his attitude um, being an NFL quarterback. And obviously he's not on a very good team. They're 0-3 and haven't looked good. Um, so the potential of him having some rough starts and some interceptions is pretty high. Do you see him being the kind of guy that can bounce back from that and build on it? Or is there a possibility that he might kind of crumble under the pressure and failure if it happens? I suppose there's always a possibility of, of that he could crumble. I just don't see it. I don't think he's built like that. I think, you know, maybe the biggest risk is, is injury. Um, he, he, you know, had a concussion and a shoulder problem at UCLA, wasn't the most durable guy. So I think if there's any reason to be worried, it would be that. But as far as his, you know, his psyche being damaged, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think he's, very confident in himself and i think he he does have the ability to bounce back from a bad outing or a bad series or a bad throw and now another hard task um how do you project him playing against seattle that is a hard task i think he'll be fine i i really do i think they'll go into this um knowing they've got a rookie quarterback and and adjusting i think they they have to go into it thinking okay let's let's get the ball to larry fitzgerald on on some shorter stuff and christian kirk on some shorter stuff let them catch and run let's make some easy throws for josh rosen and and please get the ball to david johnson uh, Mm -hmm. more than they have A, a real key will be i think rosen can help them on third down they're they're you know 32nd in the league in that too i think maybe converting, you know, 22, 23% of the time, um, just colossally bad. And, and because of that, they haven't been able to get to a lot of play calls on their sheet. They haven't been able to repeat runs that have worked. And that's one reason why we see David Johnson, you know, so few times with ball in his hands. So I, that, that'll be the big thing. Can he help them on third down? And I think he can. Yeah, we talk about the offense and we talk about David Johnson. He obviously still has not gotten anything going outside of that touchdown catch um, against the Bears. And most notably, he was actually off the field completely on that critical third and two run. Chase Edmonds was stuffed. And I know you have some thoughts on that play and the use of David Johnson as a whole. So I open the floor to you, sir. What is going on there? (laughs) Yeah, to me, there was no reason to have David Johnson out of the game on that play. I mean, my God, you just signed him to a three-year extension and gave him $26 million guaranteed. You know, you have to have him on the field, especially, I mean, they're coming out after the two-minute warning. I know I know they were upset that he missed a, a blitz pickup on the play before, but, uh, you know, that correction could have been made um, during the TV timeout at the two-minute warning. It could have, say, it could have waited till after the game. Right. Uh, et cetera. And, you know, second, I thought it was a poor play call, a long-developing counter, um, that to the left, I mean, they're running toward the sideline. I think on, on third and short, you're better off, especially since you know you're going to go for it on fourth down. You're, you're better off on hitting something quicker um, inside. And, you know, all of those things combined. And, and the other guy who wasn't on the field for that either was, was tight end Jermaine Gresham, who's their best blocking tight end. And on this counter play, they were, you know, they're a real key to making that play work, at least it looks like on, on video to me was the block of a tight end and and ricky seals jones didn't deliver yeah and obviously a lot of the focus is on the offense for good reason but when you have a rookie quarterback something that can really help you out is the defense and they got marcus golden back last week it looked like robert kim dj had his best game as a professional 
Um, they don't. They only allowed 16 points. Obviously, they still lost the game and they still allowed some long drives. But do you see some 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 improvement on that side of the ball? And what kind of things are you looking for against the Seahawks? Yeah, there was a ton of improvement on on that side of the ball. The pass defense was much better. I thought uh, Patrick Peterson played a fantastic game. Um, they tried going at him several times, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. And and he really came through each time. And I think Kimdichie's probably been the most pleasant development for the Cardinals this season. I mean, he's playing like a first round pick finally in his in his third year. But you know, he he missed practice on Wednesday, I think, with a, a sore knee. So they they think he's going to play as precautionary, but he's still in development in his career and needs the practice time. But but that's been interesting. You know, the thing on defense, it's really another thing that stood out is two first round picks who can't get on the field. Dayon Buchanan, former starter, played one defensive snap. I think Hassan Reddick, and 13th overall pick two years ago, played just a handful of, of picks. So it's it's been interesting to see how this coach, this coaching staff um, evaluates talent different than the preceding one and different than the, you know, say Steve Kime who drafted these guys. Yeah, I was just actually going to ask you that. Do you think that that's a case of uh, Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb being like, those aren't our guys. We're going to build a defense around our kind of guys. Um, or do you think that they're just not playing well and that it's, it's on them? Yeah, I, I think in, in, in week one, Dayon Buchanan did not play well uh, against Washington. He gave up a touchdown in pass coverage. Uh, I think there were for a few run fits that he missed, and I, they weren't happy with it. And so we saw his playing time decline from every snap to just 35% against the Rams to just one snap uh, a week ago. I, I think they need to find a way to get him on the field. He's His previous four years in the league, he's proven that when he's healthy, which he is now, he's a good player. He can have bad games uh, like everybody else, but I, I, you know, I just think he's too talented to be standing next to them on the sideline. Now, Reddick, um, that's strictly performance to me. I mean, the the previous staff really couldn't find much of a role uh, for him either. And I think when Steve Wilkes talks about, you know, when you ask him personnel questions, he says, you know, I I want guys I can trust who are going to do the right thing. And I think. With Reddick, there have been some some mental errors and some a bunch of those that he needs to clean up before he gets any more uh, playing time. So I, his role will probably stay the same. Now as you look at week four against the Seahawks in Glendale, obviously the sting has been taken out of this rivalry a bit as the teams rebuild and all the star power has been gone. But uh, how do you see these teams matching up this weekend and what is your prediction? A really strange matchup between these two teams. The Cardinals... Uh, haven't beaten the Seahawks in Glendale the last five years. They're lost four times and, and tied once in, a, in an overtime game. And the Seahawks can't beat the Cardinals in Seattle, it seems. The Cardinals have won four the last five uh, up there. It's for, for different reasons, these two teams are, you know, sort of in a, in a change mode. Obviously, the Cardinals have a new coaching staff, a new quarterback. There's a ton that's new. The Seahawks made a, a lot of changes in the offseason, um, you know, offensively with the coaching staff. The Legion of Boom doesn't exist anymore. And Earl Thomas, their star safety is, you know, not practicing during the week, but he's playing. It's it's all very it's all very strange and, and very different. Um, I, I have no real, you know, evidence or, or facts to back this up is just strictly a gut feeling but i think the cardinals are going to win this one i think it's going to be low scoring because the cardinals can't score a lot of points 
And I think defensively they'll be able to handle the Seahawks. And I, I'm thinking the Cardinals something like uh, 17 to 14. Oh, that's not as exciting. I thought we were going to see some explosion out of Josh Rosen, something like 35 well, that points. Well, you know, that, that is when you've only scored 20 points all year, you know, 17 points is sort of an explosion. You know, you make a solid point there. I'm not going to debate that. All right, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Kent Summers. That's S-O-M-E-R-S. Don't get confused with other Summers out there. Uh, get his analysis throughout the weekend. Thanks again, Kent. We'll see you out there on Sunday. Thanks, Ryan. All right, columnist Greg Moore is on the line now. Greg, uh, 99% of people are all in on starting the Josh Rosen era, and you're part of the 1%. You don't know if it's necessarily time to play Josh Rosen now, so go ahead and break down why you feel that way. Listen, don't get me wrong. I love Josh Rosen and his potential, right? I think that he can be a good quarterback in the NFL. Maybe he even can be a great quarterback in the NFL. And it was clear from the moment general manager Steve Kime traded up to select Josh Rosen that eventually this was going to be Josh Rosen's franchise. But from the moment he got to town, I was urging patience. Unless you give Josh Rosen an opportunity and he takes that opportunity and excels in a way that it removes all doubt that he's the guy for the job. All anybody wants, I think, is an opportunity, a fair opportunity. No one, I don't believe, wants to be handed anything. And this feels like Rosen is being handed the job almost by default. Sam Bradford has played poorly. Therefore, let's give it to Rosen. So let's start with the fact that I don't necessarily believe that Bradford's poor play is Bradford's fault. Yes, Bradford has been inaccurate. Yes, Bradford has checked down maybe when he should have gone deeper. Maybe Bradford has gone deep when he had an open receiver in a a, a different spot on the field. I get all of that. But he had 13 plays and a kneel down in the first half of the first game against Washington. There were opportunities in later weeks where it just looked like the offense was making calls that weren't putting that unit in a position for success. Sam Bradford has needed a deep threat, but we haven't seen any speedy receivers on the field to stretch the field in those sorts of positions. So I'm curious whether Bradford is the real problem with the offense. I'll give you another piece of it. The defense hasn't created turnovers. The defense hasn't created havoc and it's put the offense in obvious passing situations there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks who could excel in such situations and i believe that sam bradford as an accomplished and proven veteran if anybody could do it he could do it what makes you think a rookie could do it in the same situation now let's go back to my earlier point about giving somebody an opportunity and giving them a chance to snatch something away, to make it so that there is no doubt whatsoever. Let's go back to 2012, Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks. Tavares Jackson was the incumbent. Matt Flynn was brought in as the hotshot free agent, given the big fat contract. And Russell Wilson was a third round draft pick. Coach Pete Carroll said, yo, open competition. And in that open competition, Russell Wilson gave you 
75% completion in his first preseason game, 60% completion in his second preseason game, 68% in his third preseason game. Over those games, he gave you five touchdowns and just one interception. And it put Pete Carroll in position where he said, hey, yo, I think this is our guy. Now look at what Russell Wilson had around him. He had Marshawn Lynch, who that year was an all-pro. He had the Legion of Boom secondary in its prime. And that year, the Seahawks went 11-5. and The next year, they went to the Super Bowl and won it. The next year, they went to the Super Bowl and were one dumb call away from winning two Super Bowls in a row. There was no question whatsoever that Russell Wilson was the right decision. Let's go back two years ago to Dallas. Dak Prescott. Tony Romo's the guy. He tweaks his back early in the preseason, and Dak Prescott steps in. First preseason game, 10 for 12, 83%, two touchdowns. Second preseason game, 12 for 15, 80%, two touchdowns. Third preseason game, 17 for 23, 74%, one touchdown. And now we're looking at five touchdowns, no interceptions, and they're is no way you're going to give the ball to anybody else but Dak. Dak's playing great in the regular season. Tony Romo, maybe he's ready to come back, and all of a sudden they push that return back. They say, yeah, Tony's going to get all the way healthy. Dak keeps playing great. Yeah, maybe Tony's in good enough shape to play, but we're going to give him a little more time to heal up. And by the time it was done, Tony Romo had to stand up in front of everybody and say, hey, yo, Dax earned this job. It's time for him to have this franchise, and we're going to support him however we can. The team went 13-3. and Let's look at what he had around him. In terms of points allowed, the Dallas Cowboys defense that season was fifth in the NFL. They were allowing 20, uh, like 19.3 points a game. It was fewer than 20 points per game, fifth in the NFL. Furthermore, he had Zeke Elliott. As a running back, Zeke Elliott led the league that season. I believe he was all pro that season as a rookie. And then he had a Witten at tight end and a prime Des Bryant as receivers. Listen, they were in great positions for success. I don't know that Rosen has any of those things as far as a support network goes. And I'm afraid that if you put him in there too soon, He might learn bad habits. He might get injured. He might try to do too much. He might have too much failure early on to be able to rebound from it. And who wants to rebound from anything? Don't you want to take a guy who you see as the centerpiece of your organization going forward and just put him in the best possible opportunity for success, or he's in position where he removes all doubt that he should be the guy? And I don't know that either of those things has happened. I'm concerned for Rosen's future, and I'm concerned for the Cardinals' future. And so I'm not saying Rosen's not the guy. I'm not saying he won't be successful. I'm saying we don't have real solid reason for a lot of confidence based on the factors that are around it. I hear everything you're saying. It makes sense. You don't want to throw him out there. You don't want to throw him to the wolves. You don't want him to become... You know, the next David Carr gets sacked 70 times and then he's done forever. My question is, you got Sam Bradford. He's throwing for 90 yards, you know, 120 yards. It's just, it's not even, not even close to average quarterback play. And I think as Steve Wilkes, you have to look at the team and be like, all right, 
yes, we want to develop the quarterback position, but I also have to develop, you know, 52 other guys here, and Bradford's not helping because we're running three plays, punting, and then our defense is getting shredded because we have we have no threat of offense. So I guess my question to you is, why not? I mean, you don't you don't have anybody else to go to here. You need to develop an entire team. Give Rosen a chance. I mean, if he goes out there and plays poorly, I think that's okay. A guy, I mean, this is obviously an extreme example, but Peyton Manning threw like 22 interceptions his rookie year, and he turned out to be okay. I think... The big risk here is if Rosen struggles, is that going to you know, motivate him to get better moving forward or is it going to derail his career? And I don't think there's any way you can find that out without just actually playing him, especially when the guy in front of him isn't doing anything to help. Love, love, love the points that you're making and could not, uh, could not say that I understand them more, right? It, it, it makes total sense. But I'm wondering if Sam Bradford's production isn't a function of what's around him rather than it's a function of his poor play. And if it's a function of what's around him, that's going to hit Rosen and it's going to make, it's going to be something that Rosen has to overcome rather than just having a better, smoother onboarding process. And again, with me, I think that the young guy ought to get the job when the young guy takes the job, right? The NBA mm-hmm. didn't become Allen Iverson's NBA until he crossed over Michael Jordan at the top of the key, right? It, it, there, there are moments where young upstarts just say, hey, yo, this is my moment. This is my time. And I know that it was your time, but it's time for you to, 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 to go ahead and step off to the side and let me go and show what I can do. And I don't know that Rosen's done that. And again, it's just it's a default situation rather than, uh, you know, a natural ascension. And, you know, I, I do hear you uh, about about developing the other guys. And I do hear you about Sam Bradford. But let me give you one more thing to think about. Carson Palmer last year. Uh, everybody uses the expression pitch count, which, which infuriates me because we're not talking about a pitcher, but he had limited action in preseason. Sam Bradford this year has had limited action in preseason. And then when you step out there in the regular season, things are moving kind of fast. You're not used to getting jostled around. You're not used to having people fall down. You're not used to people knocking you around and it takes you a minute to kind of get up to speed. Sam Bradford, we're finally seeing him take some shots. We're finally seeing him get hit. And it's not that he he probably wasn't in position to trust his body until he started to get those hits. And now he's gotten roughed around a bit. Maybe he trusts his body. Maybe he only just now is ready for that breakthrough, and then you snatch him out. If you'll remember what happened Sunday when he got hit and fumbled the ball mm-hmm. and just laid there on the turf with his hands on his head, it was almost like you could say, man, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder if he doesn't know he's done. And then the next thing you know, you see Rosen warm up. And then the next thing you know, Rosen's on the field and Bradford's sitting. And you just you just wonder if Bradford didn't say to himself, man, I got hit. Nothing bad happened. I actually can do this. And now his body's finally ready to do what his mind tells it to do without any sense of doubt. But now he's got no more shot at it. Again, man, I'm hopeful uh, for Rosen's sake, and I think everybody is. I think all of the NFL is. The NFL is predicated on its stars. The NFL is built on quarterbacks. You need guys like Rosen to step in and be successful, so everybody's hopeful that this works. And I'm 
of the position that you should do everything that you can to set somebody up for success rather than put them in a situation littered with obstacles, sink or swim. Yeah, and obviously we're not privy to the practices. You know, you don't know how close Rosen and Bradford actually were to uh, getting the number one job, and maybe they just made the decision to go with the veteran for now and let the rookie sit until, you know, it was clear that the veteran can't get it done. But Now, we don't have access to practices, but we do have access to some preseason stats and some regular season stats with Rosen now. Mm-hmm. The poor guy only played in two preseason games, mm-hmm. right? And his preseason numbers were less than stellar. Six for 13, 42%, no no touchdowns, no picks in the first first game. Second game, 10 for 16, so 63%, much better there, but one touchdown, no pick. So nothing eye-popping there, nothing that makes you go, yo, this is our guy. Then you put him in against Chicago, you hand him the ball, you say, hey, yo, Rook, go win it. Well, listen, the team hadn't been playing poorly. If the quarterback were the position of difference, then Rosen had a shot to show that. Goes out there, he throws a pick. And frankly, it should have been two picks. There was a flag that saved him from having thrown a pick six. Mm-hmm. His numbers weren't stellar. Four for seven, 36 yards. It, was, it wasn't the sort of thing that makes you go, yeah, there's no doubt whatsoever. And I will say, the ball was very lively coming out of his arms, or out of his hand. And it seemed like the wide receivers really kind of had a little bit more pep in their step. So I'll, I'll give you that. But again, man, my whole piece of the, the the competition puzzle is if you've got an incumbent, if you've got a champion, the challenger, the newcomer, has to knock that champ out. It can't be a decision. can't go to the scorecards. What I'm curious is if you feel the same about um, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland because it's kind of the same situation where the veteran Tyrod Taylor, he wasn't getting it done. They put in the rookie. Obviously, different situation here because Mayfield looked fantastic and led him to a win. But he didn't exactly go out and earn it either. It was, well, this guy's not doing it. Let's throw in the rookie and see what he's got. Do you feel the similar? Uh, am I wrong in this? I thought Taylor got hurt early. And I thought that Taylor was playing well. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was my understanding that Taylor played well in week one, and they ended up with that that tie, right? And that was because they were right. they were playing with an injured kicker. And then in week two, I want to say I thought that was also a close game, and I don't think Taylor played poorly. But Mayfield... If you've got a team that hasn't won a game in two years, they were like one in 31 or one, whatever it was, in two years they've won one game, then they lost the first couple games to open the season. Then Mayfield steps in there, throws for 200 yards, and guides the team to a win. For me, I would say that that's Mayfield taking the job away from Taylor. Now, I know that there's circumstances around it. I get that. But you know what else is a factor in quarterback play is a little bit of luck. And sometimes a guy's just lucky and things happen to go well for him. And that, to me, is a skill that you don't want to overlook. Yeah, I think you're right. I do think Taylor did get dinked up in that game. But obviously he was good to go this week and they had to make a decision and they went with Mayfield just like uh, – I'm, o- I'm okay with that. Mayfield led a team that can't win to a win. I'm okay with that. I mean, he – didn't he you know it wasn't like holy cow this is this is way beyond all reasonable doubt i mean there's still a case to be made but if quarterback play is judged on winning mayfield won and if you're gonna win with a franchise that hasn't won i'm okay with that decision now in this case you want to maybe make the argument about tampa bay i'd leave ryan fitzpatrick in there i'd stick with fitz magic uh over Jameis winston because fitz has been playing so well yeah i hear you well now if you look at week four uh, Josh Rosen, his first team mail faces the Seattle Seahawks. It's not as scary as it once was with those top defensive players uh, leaving for other teams. So 
what are you going to be looking out for for Rosen, the offense, and I guess really the whole team on Sunday? So uh, I was out there with um, Rosen today. It was his first time uh, speaking to the media since he's been named starter. Um, and I asked him how much control he had over the offense, right? Like how much ability does he have to audible and make checks and changes? And he said he's got, you know, whatever authority that one can have in that spot. So I wonder if Rosen's not going to be able to stretch the field better than Bradford was able to. I wonder if he's not going to have a higher uh, yards per attempt higher yards per completion rate and frankly can rosen be a field general can he keep the offense on the field for a sustained drive can he keep them out there for five seven minute drives we haven't seen anything from the offense whatsoever hell they couldn't even get past the 50 yard line one week i want to see can rosen pick up where bradford left off in the first half of the chicago game and improve on that All right. Well, thanks so much for hopping on real quick, Greg, and doing a little debate there with me. It's always good to get the counterpoint angle. So you can follow him all on Twitter at writing more. That's more with two O's. Uh, Thanks again, Greg. And we'll talk with you later. Ryan, thanks for having me, man. Love this uh, conversation. Thank you for the opportunity.